1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of a Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm your Swede, Sebastian Noren. With me, your Yank, Elliot Niblock. And uh, boy, do we have a matchup for you this weekend. It is one heck of a London derby coming up here between Arsenal and Chelsea. We'll delve into that along with uh, the other matchups here for the Premier League as it's uh, turning into quite the race here. In top four, a lot thanks to Manchester United's phenomenal form right now.
0: Yeah, six out of six, inspiring the special one. That's pretty special, I'd have to say.
1: Yep, that is very special. So we'll talk about that in a lot more. So, uh, Elliot, uh, it's been about a week since we last spoke. And um, how has it been processing the one nothing defeat to West Ham last Saturday?
0: I mean, that was in and of itself. That might be the worst game that we've played all season. Uh, and in fact, I, I think that you could argue that it it was um, so that that losing that game was in and of itself bad. Insult to injury: the fact that I was out late drinking. I still woke up at seven to watch it, and then I just felt like garbage the whole day. So you know, the ills of being a fan of the Premier League on this side of the Atlantic. At least we're both lucky enough to live in the Eastern time zone. But honestly, the things that have happened subsequently, seemingly behind closed doors, as much as we can, you know, know them uh, without actually being part of the club, are or, or even more concerning for me. Um, and so yeah it's the the result is frustrating and it's just a fact of life that when things go poorly people talk a lot more than you know than they do when things are going well right you know the the pundits like to pick apart all of the big teams when they're doing poorly and less so when oh arsenal are on a 20 game unbeaten run great fine move on but oh arsenal lost one nil to west ham Uh, so I honestly, the the performance itself was abject. Uh, we looked toothless from back to front. We lacked the creative spark. Why, for the life of me, Ramsey wasn't starting, I don't know. Obviously, we'll talk a little more on his future shortly. Why Ertzel is mysteriously constantly injured, there are so many question marks around that. But as bad as those 90 minutes on the pitch at London Stadium were the concerns at Arsenal run far deeper than that single match. It's just, you know, insult to injury that all of these issues are coming to a head on the heels of our worst performance on the pitch itself this season.
1: Yeah, so let's start with Ramsey. So new reports coming out of Sky uh, Italia that a um, pre-contract is uh, imminent with Juventus. Uh, so, I mean, it just seems to be a matter of time here before it's made official.
0: Yeah, and this is not new information, right? I mean, the the writing has been on the wall for Ramsey's departure since November when the club rescinded their previous contract offer. Again, why they rescinded that offer is beyond me. Um, he's going to be earning a significant wage. I believe he'll be the sixth highest paid player in Italy. But it's nothing compared to the wages of... You know, Messer It's not. It's not astronomical. And why we rescinded the offer in the first place, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the ownership in the form of Kroenke and refusing to pay those wages. Maybe it has something to do with financial fair play. I've heard that you know we can't really increase our wage bill more. Although I believe there are to be ways around that. Uh, maybe it has to do with Unai Emery. but. Again, connecting it back to what we are all interested in in the first place, the performance on the pitch. We are lacking creativity in the midfield, and letting a player of Ramsey's quality go first for free second is a poor piece of footballing strategy on the one hand and financial strategy on the other. It's, it's, it's extremely frustrating, and it seems to be yet another instance in which Arsenal are self-saboteurs.
1: So do you think that they should try and, let's say Juventus, they come to an agreement with Ramsey, should they try and negotiate a fee so that they let him go here in
0: January? Well, no, because that's that's essentially off the table, right? He's already signed the pre If Assuming this report from Sky to be true, which I take it on face value that it is, then he's already signed that pre-contract agreement, right? You know, it's it, it is and there's no guarantee that he would get that same salary were Juventus paying a fee for him on top of that. And make no mistake, this is a great situation for both the player and the club Juventus, right? Cause Juventus are already sitting first in Serie A. they have a pretty comfortable lead there. I believe it's nine, maybe 10 points. I don't think they've even lost this season. You know, they, They're not desperate for Aaron Ramsey's services in the way that an Arsenal side lacking creativity, losing 1-0 to West Ham for the first time on the road in over a decade, does lack creativity, needs quality in the midfield. And yet he's not starting in the 11. He's starting on the bench and is having a limited impact. And he's been a consummate professional all season, you know, despite the question marks around his future. He's gone up there and worked hard. But I think it's fair to ask if he's going to continue doing that down the stretch. Again, I have faith in him. I think he will. But, you know, even if he just lets his foot off the gas four or five percent, that can be the difference between a winning goal and not. And so Juventus aren't desperate for him. Why would they pay extra money to have him now? Arsenal would like that money, but... Also, why would Aaron Ramsey jeopardize the wage that he negotiated with Juventus, assuming there would be no transfer fee, by leaving early? I mean, he's going to collect his smaller paycheck for the next six months in North London, say goodbye, thanks for the memories, and th- the fans should support him, right? The, this is a mismanagement on club level. I do not blame the player. I will be sad to see him go, but, you know... It's It was for the best, for his future. And he's given a lot to this club. He's given trophies to this club. So, yeah, great to Aaron Ramsey. Good luck in Italy. Horrible management of the situation by Arsenal Football Club all around. And what's the latest on Mesut Ozil? Uh, the latest is that there is no latest. Um, I mean, and it's it, it's clear as mud, right? Because the the injury reports seem like he's, yeah, okay, he's injured... Um, well, maybe he's going to leave. Uh, reports that uh, David Ornstein of BBC reportedly said that Emery specifically told Urzel it would be best for him to leave the club because he didn't see him as part of his plans. It's it's a whole, it's a nightmare scenario, right? And my hope was that by this point, more than halfway through January, it's kind of hard to believe, but here we are, that the the grand strategy of Arsenal Football Club would have been laid bare for all to see, and that Urzel would have been moved on, and Ramsey would have signed the contract to stay at the club, you know, si- similar to the business that we did a year ago with moving on Alexis and picking up Mkhitaryan, you know, not the move that I think most Arsenal fans really wanted, but a sense that, yeah, we were in a bad scenario, but we got something from it. Now we're in a bad scenario, and we're getting nothing out of it, and I, I mean, I honestly, because of the mismanagement of this whole situation surrounding Aaron Ramsey, I don't have much faith that we're going to be doing anything but plunking £350,000 every Friday into Mesut Özil's bank account. Well, he sits on the bench, or maybe doesn't even make the bench. And the one thing that I want to point out, I don't know if you've heard about this, Seb, but there are rumors circulating that our head of recruitment, Sven Mislintat, who came over from Dortmund, who earned fame there by spotting talents like Aubameyang and Osman Dembele, and bringing them to the Waldstadion, that he is going to leave Arsenal. Mm -hmm. And his appointment was one that I personally, and I know a lot of other Arsenal fans, was really excited about. You know, here's a guy with a proven track record for bringing young, unidentified or underappreciated talent up to the next level and letting a club like Dortmund that is not Bayern Munich, that does not have the resources of Bayern Munich, but is nonetheless a quote unquote big club with a large following and substantial financial resources to really play on the same level as the quote unquote biggest club in their league. And he was instrumental in them getting there. He was instrumental in the rise of Jurgen Klopp. He was instrumental in the fact that Dortmund continues to challenge for the title, something that Arsenal can only hope to do. And we all hoped that he would be doing exactly that in North London. And we've seen him do it to some extent. You know, there are some jokes about, oh, he just keeps buying Dortmund players like, you know, Gratis, and Aubameyang, and Mkhitaryan. But Lucas Torreira has been a huge success. Matteo Guendouzi, he's still pretty raw. I think that, you know, we can't ask too much of him at the young age, not having played in top flight until this season. But they're both really promising young players. And I was looking forward to another four, five, hell, maybe even ten years of him identifying players like that and building a squad around it. But if he is leaving Arsenal... In less than two years, that is a huge red flag that all of the other red flags in terms of Ramsey and Ertzel, that things are seriously wrong in the back of house at the Emirates.
1: Yeah, it seems like he'll be going to Bayern, right?
0: Yeah, that's that's the talk, which, of course, will also, you know, be gutting for all of the Dortmund fans. Right. You know, and that's and that's the other concern that in terms of like, let's focus back on Aaron Ramsey just for a moment. Right. That. It's, okay, well, he's leaving on a free, that sucks. It sucks that he's leaving at all, but at least he's going abroad. (laughs) Well, boy, will Arsenal have even more egg on their face than they already do, which is like a six-egg omelet at this point. Should he come back and play for the likes of Chelsea or Manchester United or God in heaven forbid Tottenham Hotspur? But it could happen. I mean, we'll see. I, sure. I think he's. I think he's going to stick around in Italy and be a useful squad player. Maybe not always in the starting eleven, but frequently enough on the team sheet and win a lot of trophies. And I think it's going to be a great experience for him. And as happy as I am for the player, I am disappointed and even borderline furious with the club.
1: Yeah. So big game coming up here at the Emirates, uh, twelve thirty p.m. Eastern time kickoff against Chelsea on Saturday. Chelsea, meanwhile, seems to be in this weird uh, little striker uh, carousel where they want to get uh, Gonzalo Higoin in, and then they would loan out Alvaro Morada to Atletico Madrid. And then they're also trying to sell uh, Bachuay to Monaco uh, after his loan deal was cut short.
0: Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, Alvaro Morata has not been the revelation that everyone at Stamford Bridge hoped he would be. No. Um, so it, it's a little weird. It's actually somewhat reminiscent of the kind of strange carousel, again, speaking of January a year ago, that saw Olivier Giroud arrive, Matsu uh, eh, – Batsuai God, I can never say his name.
1: Batsuai. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Batuai depart uh, in order to also to facilitate the Aubameyang arrival um, yeah. at the Emirates. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a position that they have to sort out. It's, Chelsea are in a really strange spot, right? Because I think that they're inarguably in, a, in better shape than Arsenal. Um, but despite their position in the table, if I'm a Chelsea supporter, I would be envious of Manchester United, even though, you know, six short weeks ago, Man, you were in this horrible position, and Chelsea were looking much stronger, but needing to still sort out that striker position, knowing that even if Iguain arrives, he's not a long-term replacement. I mean, he has had a long and successful career, but you know, he's in his early thirties, not his early twenties, yeah. so he's not going to be the striker to cement his place at Chelsea and be the next Drogba by any stretch of the imagination. Hazard is on his way out, so. As much as Sari has provided you know the blues with reason to be optimistic, question marks remain for not only the immediate January transfer future but the longer kind of rebuilding future, especially if hazard goes, and I think he will yeah
1: well, I mean then that's the point too. They haven't had that dominant center forward since since Drogba left uh, when he first left the 2012
0: mm-hmm. so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think
1: I think they expected more Murata. Absolutely, Diego Costa. He had his moments, but at the oh, same he- time, he's uh, loony.
0: <laughs> yes, he's a brilliantly talented locker room poison who's always prone to get a red card.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know if Gonzalo Higuain is the answer to their prayers. Yeah,
0: I I don't know either. I mean, Sky is reporting that. That deal has been agreed. Um, It's it's still, though, even as I highlight these question marks that are circling around Stamford Bridge, as we look towards this weekend, I, I can't imagine that Arsenal allow fewer than two goals. And without any creativity in midfield, I can't even see us scoring a goal, maybe one. Maybe, but, uh, you know, despite lingering questions for Chelsea, I fully expect them to take all three points against Arsenal this weekend as the spiral in North London continues.
1: Yeah, and we should say that there's a good link there between uh, Maurizio Sarri and Iguain since they worked together at Napoli, where Mm -hmm. Iguain really came into his own. Yeah. So maybe he can get the best out of him. Who knows? Who knows? So with Arsenal, you know, with their having two defeats in the last three league games, they are sitting in fifth place, 41 points, the same amount of points as Manchester United after their fine run of form. They had their first, you know, real big test here under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer when they played Spurs on the road. They passed. I wouldn't say they passed with flying colors, but they did pass. They took a one nothing win uh, thanks to Marcus Rashford and Paul Pogba. Uh, and they also took out Harry Kane, which I think has something to do with that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, David de Gea had a monster of a game in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I of, mean,
0: he's he, even in the worst times of Jose, there was no question that he's the best keeper
1: in the world yeah he's so good he's so good he had so many great saves in this game because spurs had a bunch of chances they they really did but i was happy to see that united could see a game like this out and get a one nothing win because you you know can't score four or five goals every game
0: spurs continue their uh trajectory towards not having a single draw the perfect binary season yep that's very
1: very true Uh, Yeah, they sit in uh, third place, 16 wins, 6 losses, 0 draws. So, um, yeah, it was a really good weekend for Chelsea and Manchester United last weekend as Spurs and Arsenal both lost. Um, So right now Chelsea sitting in fourth place with 47 points. So they still have six points down to Arsenal and Manchester United, but they're only a single point behind Spurs now with an injured Harry Kane.
0: Yeah, and on top of that, I think that the the prospect of... Granted, I expect that United will defeat Brighton at Old Trafford this weekend, so it won't be opening a nine-point gap, but it will be opening a nine-point gap over Arsenal should they, in fact, win this weekend. And then, you know, the, the, the fact that Arsenal will... God, it's, it's so frustrating from a Gunners' perspective, you know, because we had that long unbeaten run. Everybody got really excited. Maybe we can actually challenge for the top four because coming into the season, our expectations were, yeah, we'll probably finish fifth. It'll be a rebuilding year. But should Chelsea, in fact, win, then it's, I don't want to say we're totally out of the top four race, but nine looking up nine points once sitting in sixth place, that's that's horrible. It's a horrible place to be in January. Yes. And we would have hoped that we were at least, you know, two, three, maybe five points off the top four. But nine, a full three games, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I don't see us beating Chelsea in the near future. And then in the longer term, I can't see this side. Overcoming a nine-point gap without significant additions from the transfer market this month, and I don't see that happening.
1: No, it, it seems like they're going to keep pretty quiet. Uh, a draw would be good in my book there for <laughs> for Manchester United as far as the game between Arsenal and Chelsea, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will be. It will be interesting at the top of the table. Liverpool still at the top, fifty-seven points after getting a one-nothing win on the road against Brighton and City. In second with 53 points after your three nothing win over Wolves, uh, which had a little bit of everything. It had a red card. It had an own goal. It was uh, yeah, it was quite bad. It was quite bad. Um, but yeah, it will be uh, very very interesting here. If we take a look at what the other top six teams have on slate, like you said, Manchester United they play Brighton at home. That's on Saturday at 10 a.m. Liverpool, they take on Crystal Palace, also 10 a.m. Saturday. And then on Sunday, Man City, they take on Huddersfield on the road. And Spurs play at Craven Cottage against Fulham.
0: Yeah, even without Harry Kane, sorry Cottagers, I expect Tottenham to... Bounce back from their defeat to United and win that one. Yep. Uh, and Huddersfield uh, just, just having let go of uh, American David Wagner. Yes, um, we'll see. I I still think, despite the the manifest new manager bump that we've seen for so many teams in the Premier League this season and in years past, oh, it's too far. Back. I don't. Yeah, they're not. They're not going to. They're not going to beat city in again the immediate future, and they're not going to get out of the relegation zone in the longer distance, but they've had you know they've had a great run in the Premier League um, hopefully they can battle in the championship next season. I'm sure that Huddersfield fans will hate to hear me already talking about the championship only heading into match day twenty three but it does. Does seem pretty, pretty foregone conclusion for a team that's only managed 13 goals out of 22 games thus yeah. far.
1: Yeah, that's really, really poor. Uh, we should say also, speaking of the relegation zone, that Newcastle are back in it after dropping three or dropping. They lost two to one against Chelsea on the road in their last game. You can't really blame them for that. Uh, but they're back in the relegation zone, whereas Southampton and Burnley. Burnley, I mean, they're up to 15th place now, three wins in a row after beating Fulham 2-1 in the last game.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to shake out to be a battle between Cardiff and Newcastle uh, for who can avoid relegation. Yeah, Southampton
1: took a 2-1 win on the road against Leicester, something that I did not see coming at all. No, nope. uh, But they did it. James Ward-Prowse and Shane Long with the goals
0: yeah I do remember saying we could see Newcastle in the relegation zone coming into match day 23
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it's uh, a real rat's nest there because you got Newcastle 18 points and then Cardiff 19, Southampton 19, Burnley 21, Crystal Palace 22 and then you got a little bit of a jump up to Brighton with 26
0: yeah I I, I just can't see... But really, you just need that
1: little bit of good run form. Win two or three games in a row, and you jump up quite high. Yep. Because, I mean, really, take away those nine points from Burnley, and we thought they were pretty much dead in the water, too. Mm-hmm. So they really bounce back here in a very promising way. And then, you know, you have sort of that middle part between Watford in seventh and Bournemouth in twelfth, where it's like... No man's land.
0: Okay. Yeah, the uh, the desolate mid table. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's uh,
1: it's also it's it's kind of hard to get a gauge because now Watford, being you know sneaky good again, they're up to seventh place.
0: Yeah, but they. I mean, the. With that run of form, the gap between United and Watford is significant. Um, and I think that that nine-point gap, like the one if Chelsea are able to open between themselves and Arsenal at the weekend, is not one that's going to be bridged.
1: No, I, I don't see that happening at all. But it's, yeah. a, it's a good little fight there for a seventh between Watford, Leicester. West Ham also up there now after two wins in their last four Um and then Everton in 10th. So um, still a lot a lot of good things to look forward to. Is there anything else that we want to say before we sign off? Uh,
0: I think that I have exhausted my frustrations with the Arsenal, and I'm going to go and drink some whiskey.
1: Okay, there we go. Uh, until then, be sure to follow us on the Twitter Sphere. I'm Seb Norin. Elliotus Keats was better and give one yank one sweet a fall as well until next time have a good one bye-bye lucky land casino
0: asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office